Yeah, thank you so much. Well, if you brought your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Need you to listen real quick this morning. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Greg said, uh, they have the time on the screen for the youth. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. And I seen Philip get up, and I said, what about Philip? He said, there's no time up there for Philip. You did good, Brother Philip. Matthew 16. The church universal, the church local. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this worship time together. May you have been honored and glorified in everything that has been done this morning. Father, thank you for an opportunity we have just to share from our hearts. Praise you. God, I pray now that you'll take your word to our hearts, and Lord, decisions will be made today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I read the passage, let me just share, you may be a guest here this morning at Mountain View Baptist Church, and you may not understand the purpose and the attention that given to this Renew 2014. You might have noticed that in the bulletin. So let me explain to you just a minute what we're doing through this month, and as long as the Lord leads in the weeks to come. Renew 2014 is an opportunity for us as God's people to reflect upon and to renew our commitments that we've made to our Lord on the day that we got saved. Now, some of us must go back several years to reflect upon those commitments and to renew those commitments. And many have just to reflect just for a few years or a few months or really just a few weeks in order to reflect upon your commitment you made when you were saved and then to uh, renew that commitment. But the point is, if it's our desire to allow God to use us to make a spiritual impact on our families and friends and community, we must reflect upon, we must renew our salvation commitment to Christ, and to His church. Now last week we had an opportunity to, to renew our love commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And many came during our invitation time, recognized His Lordship, His authority, His control over their lives, and renewed that Lordship commitment. And so today we want to allow God to speak to, to us as we renew our, our love commitment to His church. So we're going to be talking about the church today and then in the coming weeks. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that the Son of Man am? They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elias, others, Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now the time had come for Jesus to kindly, bluntly announce to his disciples the coming events of his life. To announce to his disciples the event of his death, his resurrection, or his burial, and his resurrection. Now the disciples were ready for Christ to suddenly, kindly sweep away all opposition. They were now ready to crown him king, and then he would heal their hearts, and he would put bread on the table, and he would be their king. His disciples were expecting a a speedy manifestation of the kingdom, of the kingdom's power and, and glory. They were expecting a speedy manifestation of this promised Messiah. And now it was time for Jesus to tell them that there would be no literal kingdom until the second coming of Christ. And so the spiritual kingdom would not be found in the nation Israel, but it would be found in the church. Now notice Jesus and his disciples, they have arrived in this area of Caesarea Philippi, north of the Mediterranean Sea. About 1,147 feet above sea level. They have arrived at this place. It's a beautiful place. I've been there. It's, it's where the, 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 the snow-capped Mount Hermon, begin, they begin to mount, and the snow-caps melt, and they come down into the valley there at Caesarea Philippi. They begin to form little springs, little creeks, and there at the bottom of Mount Hermon, is where the Jordan River is formed. And so I'd been to the Jordan River, had seen people baptized in the Jordan River, and then we walked, then we drove all the way to where the Jordan River began, there at Mount Hermon. And it was here where Jesus met with his disciples, in a lush garden area, there in the side of a mountain. And I can remember being there, and we had prayer. I forget who led the prayer, but we had prayer, and I could just picture the disciples there with Jesus as he made the announcement that he's about to make to them. And while they were on that mountainside, Jesus asked two questions. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He said, who do men say that I am? Well, they answered. They said, well, some say, well, you're Herod. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Jeremiah. Some say you're just a prophet. He said, who do you say that I am? You see, in order to be a Christian, you have to answer those two questions. You, you have to answer who Jesus is. And then, what does Jesus mean to you? And you answer what Jesus is, and, and then you answer that I know that Jesus is the Son of God, as Peter did. I know that Jesus came and he died on the cross for my sins, and I know that he offers forgiveness, and I know that he offers eternal life. 
And then we put our faith together with our confession. And we trust Christ to come into our lives and save us and experience this thing called salvation. Jesus said, whom do you say that I am? Verse 16. Simon says, well, thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter said, listen, you're Christ. You're, you're human. You're divine. Thou art Christ. I mean, you've been put on Israel's throne. You're the Messiah. You're Christ. You're the Lord's prophet. You're the Lord's priest. You're the Lord's king. You're, you're Christ. And then you're the Son of the living God. You've been put on the throne of the universe. Not only have you been put on the throne of David, but you've been put on the throne of the universe. You're, you are God-man. You're Christ and you're God's Son. And notice how the Lord replied in verse 17, chapter 16. He answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, son of uh, Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So the, res the Lord's response is, he, he's, he says, you know, you're the, you're the son of Barjona. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. The word Barjona means son, son of Jonah. So the Lord called Peter Barjona just to illustrate his, you know, how true his confession was. I, I am as truly the son of God as Peter is the son of Jonah. Look at verse 18. It says something a little different. And he said unto them, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thou art Peter, Petros. The word Peter, Petros, means a loose stone, a loose gravel, a pebble. He says, Thou art Peter, Petros. And then he says, Upon this rock, Petra. Petra is a solid rock, an unmovable rock. So he's looking at Peter as a pebble, and he's looking at the rock, which is Jesus Christ. The rock, Petras, the rock, the cliff, unmovable. The rock, Petra, we, we, when we went to Jerusalem and Israel, we went to Jordan, and we went to the city of Petra. You watch those Indiana Jones movies. It's where those movies were filmed, and it's those cliffs, rooms, hewn out of rock, solid cliffs. The point is, Petra, in verse 16, the rock doesn't refer to Peter. It refers to Christ. Look at, 16, look at verse 18. And I say also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, he used Petrus, for Peter, he used Petra for rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the church is built on Christ and not Peter. In the Old Testament, the word rock is never used symbolically of a man. It's always used symbolically of deity. It's not figuratively only of God it's used only figuratively, only of God and only of Jesus Christ. 
Isaiah 28, verse 16, Christ is the foundation stone. Psalm 118, verse 22, Christ is the rejected stone. Therefore, Jesus takes this Hebrew symbol of deity, a rock, and he declares, upon this Petra, upon this rock, upon God, upon myself as God, I will build my church. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Not Peter and not the faith of Peter. People say, well, you know, it's built upon the confession he made. No, it's built upon Christ. Christ is the true foundation of the church. What was the church built upon? church built upon God. Jesus was announcing something new to these disciples, something that had never been revealed before. It was what the Lord called my church. Ecclesia. My church. Ecclesia. They were familiar with the word because the Jew was familiar. Because the Jew understood that word Ecclesia to refer to a select people, a people governed by God rather than by politics or by a king. But not only were the Jews familiar with the word, but the Gentiles were familiar with the word because that word Ecclesia uh, simply meant uh, an assembly, a town meeting. The point Christ said that he would have his own assembly in the world, the called out ones known as the church, the ecclesia, the church, the assembly of his people, those called out, his own believing people. And those who uphold his authority in their lives and individually and collectively is known as the church. Now, as we study the church in Scripture, the church is referred to in one of two ways. It's referred to as the universal church, or we see it as a universal church, a universal called out ones. And then the scripture refers to the church as a local body of believers. So you have the church, the called out ones, the assembly of believers will be seen as the universal church, referring to all the called out ones. Our brothers all over the world, are part of the church, universal church. But when we narrow it down to this body of believers here, this, our faith family, it's referred to as a local body of believers, the called out ones. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, for the sake of time, verse 22, you have the universal church implied there. Let me say this, nine times in Ephesians, the church is referred to as the universal church. Ephesians 3, verse 10, verse 21. So you have a picture of the universal church. However, at the same time, we have a picture of the local church. The word church is used 114 times in the New Testament. Out of that 114 times, 90 of those times refer to a local body of believers. 114, 90 referred to as a local body of believers. In Acts chapter 11, you have the church at Jerusalem. In Galatians 1 verse 2, you have the churches at Galatia. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1, you have the church at Thessalonica. 
And so we see 114 times the word used. 90 of those refer to the local body of believers. So the point is the church universal, and then the local church is a visible expression of the universal body of Christ. Now here's the warning, and I'm almost finished. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you say that I don't have to be a member of a local body of believers, that I can have, quote, church in my house, I just do my own thing. I can worship in my own house. We're not talking about worshiping. We're talking about a group of called out ones who assemble themselves together to carry on the kingdom work. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you say, I don't have to be a member of a local church and I don't have church in my house, I'm part of the universal church and I don't need to commit myself to a local body of Christ, let me tell you something, friend, that is contrary to the New Testament teaching and the design of God and your unscriptural and your belief and in your practice. That is not found in the Word of God. Now the question comes, are you willing to renew your love commitment to the local church? Because the way it is right now in so many, in so many congregations, it appears that some people don't believe they have to be a part of a local congregation. Where's the local body that you've committed your life to? Where's the local body that you've committed your life to to worship week after week after week? Where's the local body you've committed your life to to say, I'm going to use my spiritual gift to edify that body of Christ? Where's the local body of believers that you're saying, I'm going to submit to the leadership of the of the uh, uh, to the leadership and to the under shepherd, I'm going to I'm going to be able to have some accountability in my life because I'm a part of a local body of believers. Here's the point: if you don't have a local body where you're a committed member, then you're living contrary to the design of God for your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly how many non-resident members we have where people have just moved and relocated and for different reasons have not transferred their membership to another body of believers. But it's more than we should have. So the question today is, would you be willing to bring your life in obedience to New Testament teaching? And would you be willing to review and recommit and renew your commitment to the local body of Christ here at Mountain View Baptist Church? What do you say that, who do you say that Christ is? Christ. Oh, he's the Messiah. Christ, he's the son of the living God. Well, if that be the case, are you willing to exercise your faith in Him? Are you willing to trust Him to be your Lord and Savior? Have you placed your faith in Christ? Are you a member 
of the church universal and are you a member of a local body of believers? You see, the local church is the place in which you worship and serve and exercise your spiritual gift. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that we're just like precious stones that are just kind of joined together and fitted together that makes up this body. Today, let me encourage you. If you're here, you've never trusted Christ, that you'd see Christ as the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world, who died on the cross for your sins and my sins, the world's sins. And would you be willing to put your faith and trust in him for your salvation?